Do you struggle with a dry, dull, tangled, or itchy beard? Maybe you find little beard hair curls all over the bathroom sink. Have you found that most beard products are too greasy, don't soften your beard, or smell bad in general? If this is you, there is a simple solution to your problem. If you are looking for a change and to level up your beard game, then you need to try Nine Hair Co. Beard Products. These products were created for men of color, all natural and organic premium oils for maximum quality. Nine Hair Co. products will nourish, protect, and soothe your beard and skin. The beard oil is designed for clean shaven to medium beards, while the beard balm is designed for medium to thick beards. Both products relieve itching during growth, add moisture, and promote shine. Can you use beard oil and the beard balm together? Absolutely, yes you can. For more information on leveling up your beard, click the link for 9hairco.com in the description box below. And hanging out with us, look at this lovely face right here. This is Dr. E from the Break Room Global R&B 96.3 coming through to bless the show. Dr. E, thanks for making the time to come back. We definitely appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me. You know, it's always good times with you, M16. Yes, uh, and, you know, uh, it's always great chatting with you as well. And I'm glad you're along with this uh, interview that we're having today. We're talking to a author and a psychotherapist, Phyllis Levitt. All right, so she's got a couple of books out now she's working on one or should say finishing up one now and she's coming to talk to us about that and also uh dealing with mental health how you feel about talking to phyllis i'm excited i mean she talks you know based on what i've, I've read about her she really focuses in on you know divine spirit and the spiritual journey so i'll be interested to hear how she talks about that and when thinking about psychotherapy so i'm excited Nice, nice, nice. Well, I, I tell you what, what we're going to do is go ahead and bring in Phyllis and let's have that conversation. Great. You are now listening to the radio show. Like I said, somebody just go out there and check on James Earl Jones and let me know if I need to Uber him <laughs> some juice or some soup or something. I, I'm glad to do why, why it. Why are you sending that man some juice like he can't eat solid food? Like, let me send him some juice. <laughs> <laughs> like he in a nursing home or something. <laughs> You're listening to the radio show on YouTube and all other podcast providers. All right, we got another episode of the radio show, ATL, The Aftermath, back on the air, and we got hanging out with us. So these two things together, psychotherapist and author, Phyllis Levitt with us. Phyllis, thanks for making the time to come on the show. We definitely appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate that. All right. Yes, definitely. And, you know... Um, you were someone. You are someone that has an interesting background. So we do have a you know a lot of questions to get to know about you and your story. So let's start. Um, I guess from the top with as far as uh, concerning your career as far as psychotherapy. So what did, um, when did, or I should say, why did mental health become something so important to you that you opted to go into that direction? Yeah, um, I would say just pretty clearly that I had some trauma in my childhood and I had buried it. I had absolutely no memory of anything that happened to me. And I think some of it happened when I was a baby. 
so of course our memories can you know they're not the same when you're an infant and um, and I always just felt like there was something terribly wrong inside of me and I just tried to hide it um, and I you know kind of grew up in a world where no one talked about psychology or psychotherapy I'm quite a bit older than you guys and um, and so I just thought there was something wrong with me and I tried to, you know, do everything to be appear normal and succeed and do what I thought was expected of me until, you know, sort of long story short, I got married, I had three children and my life just started falling apart. It just, from the inside, the, the pain was so great that I just had to do something to help myself. And um, at that time, and that was the 80s, um, people were starting to talk about psychotherapy and I decided to go talk to a therapist and it was the first time I actually had any understanding at all that our childhood has a great effect on us and particularly childhood trauma and at that point I was also in graduate school to become a therapist and uh, because I had, I had decided after I read the first book on psychology that this was what I really wanted to do so I was sort of in school and doing my own work at the same time. And, um, and I, you know, and then I began to start, I started to have memories and some of them were not from infancy. They were from later um, in my life. I started to have memories and it was a very, very intense time in my life. And, you know, looking back um, and it, it, it just helped me enormously. I, you know, I eventually, I feel like I moved through the worst of it and, um, and it gave me great compassion for people and it gave me great empathy and understanding for, you know, the, the traumas that people have. And they're not only just childhood traumas that people have suffered in their families, but they're societal and they're, they're from poverty and they're from discrimination and they're from war and they're from persecution and they're from, um, you know, all the gender issues and gender biases and, um, and there's just so much trauma going on in the world. And today, of course, you know, the trauma is all over the news. And there's millions of people being traumatized now by forces that are completely beyond their control. And they have no access to help or, you know, so, you know, I really want basically, uh, I'm not sure if this was your question, but out of all that, I just saw the correlation between our own traumas and what gets perpetrated on a societal level. And I felt like I had to write about that. Oh, okay. And what she was saying with that, it kind of was leading me to where I was headed next with that, where, um, why do you feel like, cause you even mentioned it yourself uh, about sitting down to speak with somebody. Why, why do you feel that there's a stigma that prevents people from, uh, who have mental health issues from going to seek help in therapy because it's like the stigma of like I, I I don't need to do that I can help myself or I really don't have a problem. What do you feel about that? Yeah, I think there's less of a stigma today, but I think it's still really strong. I think it's still really alive and well. Um, and and I think there's many reasons for the stigma. Part of but part of it is that we are really in a society that still tells us we are supposed to be independent and strong and pull ourselves up by our own might and, um, and not show vulnerability because vulnerability is a sign of weakness instead of what it really is, which is a sign of strength. It's a sign of, you know, I'm a human being. I'm really feeling, I'm allowing myself to feel, and we are vulnerable as human beings. And um, what people do when they can't allow themselves to express it or feel it or get help for it, 
is that they build defenses. And defenses can look like aggression. It can look like being walled off. It can look like addiction. It can look like projecting a lot of hatred out onto other people. There's all kinds of defenses. And to the extent that we don't allow ourselves to heal our wounds and seek help from other human beings, which is where it's usually found, is from safe other human beings, to the extent that we can't allow ourselves to do that, we're going to continue to act out on each other and act in on ourselves. And this is a huge problem in our society. And so, yes, I, I want to be one of millions of voices of people trying to take that stigma apart. Okay. All right. Yeah, I appreciate that answer on that. So I just want to reiterate again that we're talking to Phyllis Levitt. All right. So she's got uh, she's an author, got a couple of books out there, Into the Fire and The Light and the Darkness, which are available wherever you get your books. And for more information from Phyllis, you can just go to PhyllisLevitt.com. Dr. E, do you have something for Phyllis? Yes. So many questions. Um, you know, something that resonated with me was this idea that you're a therapist who also sought therapy. Um, and so wanted to get your ideas or your thoughts around um, the common misperceptions around trauma and therapy. And what misperceptions are you referring to? So misconceptions around uh, the role that trauma may play in someone's life. Um, also misconceptions around just seeking um, therapy or seeking help in general. Yeah, well, I would start by saying that, you know, I've been a therapist for over 30 years and I've worked with hundreds of people and the level of abuse and neglect, whether it's emotional abuse or emotional neglect or societal abuse and neglect or sexual abuse, physical violence um, in America, I think the level is actually very high and a lot of people don't acknowledge it outwardly, but from the stories that I've heard from clients, you know, ordinary people living their lives, going to work, trying to raise their kids, um, the level of what we suffer is actually inordinately high. And all of that comes from some injury to love and connection. When people are loved adequately and they have strong bonds with their caregivers and they, their basic needs are met and they're valued and wanted and included, and when they learn good boundaries and peace, some kind of peaceful conflict resolution skills, they're, they're good. They're mentally healthy and able to cope well. And to the extent that we don't have those things, and I sort of reduce it all to our injuries to love and belonging, we suffer and we're symptomatic and we develop coping mechanisms and defenses that don't usually work well once we're adults. And so to bring it back to your question, what I have found is that the surest beginning of healing for those kinds of wounds is with safe people. We need to reconnect to safe people to heal the original wounds to love and belonging and safety that were violated or missing in the first place. And a therapist can be that person um, and, and, and therapists, you know, that's their job you know, is to be that person. And though one of the messages in my book is that we can be this for each other. You don't have to be a therapist to be a safe person, to hear someone's pain, to validate their injuries, to reconnect, to help them problem solve, um, to just be kind. Mm. You know, you don't have to be a therapist to do that. We can all be part of this solution. 
Wow. Yeah, you said a lot there around relationship building and just the importance of relationships, which I'm starting to think that maybe as a society, we have uh, not put as much focus on and we should. A hundred percent. And that's actually one of the main reasons why I've written this book, because to the extent that we don't make that a priority um, in politics, in our funding, in education, in the medical system, you know, you name it, to the extent that we don't make the healthy, safe human relations a priority, you see what we have, which is rampant discrimination, hatred, violence, divisiveness, divisive rhetoric, role models of behavior that none of us would want to be teaching our children, um, and yet that we condone in the society at large, and sometimes even applaud. So yeah, I totally agree with you. Thanks. I have many more questions, but I'm not going to hog all of your time. M16, please. <laughs> all right. Appreciate it, Dr. You are listening so to the radio show. They are, they are. They are really good. They are like the sexiest vegetables. They're so good. Well, I don't want sexy. I want it to taste good. You're older than all of us. You should learn to like sexy vegetables. You're going to need them. Your joints need them. Yes, I'm, I'm good. You don't want to pull a muscle tying up your shoe, 16. I mean, it happens for me in your age. I'm just saying. <laughs> You're listening to the radio show on YouTube and all other podcast providers. So, Phyllis, you know, and um, getting into, uh, I guess, your um, process of, of writing a book. So does the process of writing a book, does it energize you because, you know, you're being creative, you're letting go of that creative energy, or does it exhaust you because it is work? Like, yes, you're writing a book, but it is work. So which mm -hmm. one is it for you? Well, I would say it's way more energizing than it is exhausting. It is definitely work. And writing this book, America in Therapy, the book that I just wrote, America in Therapy, A New Approach to Hope and Healing for a Nation in Crisis, that was the hardest thing I've ever done in terms of a writing assignment. And I've been a writer all my life and I wrote two other books, but this was the hardest one because I, partly because it's a huge topic, partly because it called on me to sort of bring my heart and my head together um, because I didn't want to write a dry academic book. I wanted to write a book that would really touch the hearts of the people that read it um, as well as inform them. Um, but also because it was inspiring for me because as I wrote, and this is my process as a writer, and I think it is for other people too, um, I got inspired as I wrote. I made new connections that I hadn't made before. So, um, but yes, it was a tremendous amount of work. And there was one point when I was doing the revision of the original manuscript where I thought I wasn't going to be able to finish it. And um and it was sort of like, there's no way I'm not going to finish this book. <laughs> this is, <laughs> and so I, you know, you push through. Um, but I think a lot of people have that experience. Um, yeah, but but way more inspiring than exhausting, for sure. Okay, okay, yeah, I appreciate the way you explain that because it's it's on both ends of it. But uh, for for some people, um, you know, getting out the creative process, it feels like work. It could just totally drain you to where you didn't have anything left with that. So. What is okay? So you're anytime you're dealing with writing a book 
and you're putting something out there, a form of work in a public forum, there's always going to be feedback either way, negative and positive. Right. So what is your way of dealing with feedback? Um, do you sometimes do, do sometimes the not so positive ones stick with you or do you count it as like, listen, I'm getting emotion out of these people. So whether good or bad, I'm getting something from somebody. Well, so far, since my book isn't actually in print yet, it's coming out next year. Um, the people who have read parts of my manuscript or the whole manuscript have been mostly or maybe all totally positive and given me great feedback. But I have had times in my life with my other two books where I definitely did not get positive feedback from certain people. So I can speak to that. Um, and I will just say really honestly, it was very painful because you put your heart and soul, you know, your, your life is on the page. You're, you're, there's no hiding if, you, if you're really writing from your heart and your soul and, you know, what really matters to you and what you care about and what you care to convey. So it was painful to get negative feedback or to have people who just sort of ignored the fact that I wrote something in the first place, people that meant something to me. Um, there are people who are not in my life anymore in the same way that they were before because of the first two books that I wrote. Um, and I'll tell you, it made me stronger. In the end, um, as painful as it was, it made me stronger because there's a place that I think we all have if we have the freedom to get there where there's just a truth that we live. It's our truth. And we need to be able to communicate that to other people. It's part of what creates a healthy society when, and that's, you know, that's implied in my book that we need to be able to be free to disagree, to have conflict without it erupting into violence. Um, to, in other words, to cope with our disagreements and conflict in a way where we can preserve our sovereignty and our individuality and the truth of ourselves and respect that from others. And so I had to respect that some people were offended by what I wrote or they couldn't relate to it or they thought I was weird or whatever they thought. Um, and I had to come back to my own truth. And, um, and I won't say it's not, it's, not, it's, it's not easy. Even writing America and Therapy, which is really comes straight out of a much more psychological point of view, um, I'm out there saying, you know, I, I have something to offer and there's probably going to be people who say, no, you don't. <laughs> so, but I think, I think that, I think we have to know that if you really stand on your truth in a public way, you have to be ready for there to be, you know, people that support you and people that don't. And the loudest voices in our society have probably all experienced that. That's, a, that's definitely a true statement that if it's out there, you're going to you as much as you put positive positivity into it, there's always going to be somebody who doesn't like what you got going on. But right. we like what you got going on. So. Um, so, again, um, we're talking to Phyllis Levitt. All right. So um, she's an author and psychotherapist. A couple of books out there, uh, Into the Fire and Light in the Darkness, which are available wherever you get your books, Amazon, things of that nature. And her website is phyllislevitt.com. Dr. E, I'm going to swing it back to you. You got anything else for Phil? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, you just talked about uh, the reactions that you received um, from, from your book, um, both good and, and bad. Um, and it's, you know, 
looking at you know your book it, you were very personal and you're giving very personal experiences about your spiritual journey and i wondered if you could tell the um, the listeners and the viewers a little bit more about that spiritual journey and and the experiences that you share in your book yeah i mean what i would say is that what trauma does is bury our essential self I think every person has an essential self. It may not manifest. Mine may not manifest the way yours does. But we all have something that was there before anybody hurt us. We just had this essence. I believe that I see that from the people that I work with because as they uncover and unbury, you know, that essential self and peel back the layers of abuse or neglect or trauma, they find that. And I've never had one person that found anything else but a beautiful, loving, essential self. I've never had one person that uncovers a monster. It's just, mm. That's just not who we are as human beings. The monsters that people become are a result of terrible treatment by other human beings or their society in which they live, which is human beings. Um, so, my, so for me, you know, going into the dark night of the soul, which is really where I went, um, to peel back the layers of myself, I made a very strong connection to something that I call spiritual. You could call it essential. You could call it, you know, whatever name people put on that. And it had very clear messages for me about what we're doing here and, and what are some of the things that keep us buried. And so that's, that's what those two books are about. And they are very personal. And, um, and I'm glad I wrote them. <laughs> I'm glad I wrote them. And they actually inform me as a psychotherapist, even if I don't speak that language with people at times. And it definitely, it, that journey definitely informs my new book, America in Therapy, because what I, what I really pray for, for our country, and really it's for the world, but I speak to America because I'm an American and this is the culture that I'm familiar with. What I really pray for for humanity is that we can uncover we can peel back the layers of the traumas that we've sustained and the traumas we've perpetrated and find that essential self and create a different world before it's too late. Because what we see going on in the world and the threat of nuclear weapons and the level of destruction and murder that people feel totally justified in perpetrating is terrifying. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, even in your books, you talk about this uh, divine source. And I wondered how you use that um, in your work with clients, because I'm, I'm imagining that your clients are coming from different places um, and starting points on their beliefs about spirituality. So I don't, talk about, I don't talk about spirituality in the psychotherapy that I've done, but I will tell you this, and I think it's fascinating. I don't talk about that because... As a psychotherapist, I, I kind of have stuck to the world of psychotherapy, um, which is an exploration on a much more emotional, psychological, mental, behavioral belief uh, structure level. But, um, but I will tell you this, that what I have found for some people, when they have really peeled back those layers of trauma, is they, they have made a very powerful spiritual connection themselves in their own lives. And again, that's not necessarily, I mean, for one person in particular that I worked with, that was never a goal. That just happened. And it was incredible. It was an incredible thing for this person. So it's possible. And it doesn't have to be the outcome. 
If I'm mm -hmm. living a more fulfilled life and I have better coping mechanisms and I, you know, and just going back to, I wanted to say this about, you know, having received negative, some negative feedback for the first two books that I wrote. Um, this is what we're up against in the world. People are receiving negative feedback all the time for the way they look, for the words they utter, for their, for their having too much education or a lack of education or being too poor, or being too rich or being, you know, too whatever, you know, too fat, too thin. We're, we're receiving negative feedback from other people all the time. And the work is to find an adequate adult self to cope with that and not just react and lash out and, per and keep the cycle of violence and hatred going. Mm. Wow. It's powerful. I do wonder though, if clients are open, if there would be an opportunity to delve into some of the things that you've talked about in your book, because it feels for like sure. it'd be such an opening. Yeah. For sure. And for, for some people, there was an opening, but I let mm -hmm. people, I followed their lead. Right. Yeah. Understandable. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So, Dr. E, I, I just had a couple of more here. Um, and then, I mean, we talked about a lot of things and then we got something that will help also lighten things up, maybe laugh a little bit as well. So, Phyllis, I had a question when it concerns, all right, so... You're done with everything. You, you've wrapped up these books. What does Phyllis do to, like, you finish the book. How do you celebrate that? What do you do? Oh, that's sweet. Well, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I was able to leave my first marriage, and I married a wonderful man. And I'm, so I have a, a really happy marriage. I live in a beautiful place. I live in Taos, New Mexico, up in the mountains. Um, I really enjoy being in nature. I have children and grandchildren that I love being with. And so, you know, I kind of celebrate in very, um, you know, not uproarious ways, but just like allowing myself the pleasures that I really have in the life that I'm very fortunate to live and that I feel very grateful to be living. Okay, very good. You know, just something, you know, subtle, almost like taking a deep breath, like, ooh, I got that out the way, that's done. And then yeah. what's next, I think? Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? There is a, let me just also say this, that I think because I went the route, the first two books I just self-published. So they kind of, you know, I didn't know really how to market them. This book, I went the route of finding a publisher. And so the work actually doesn't end. <laughs> There's still a lot for me to do. So I might celebrate, but the next day I get up and keep going. Yeah, that's yeah, that's day to day life. You had a good you had a good day, and then you turn right right back around and get right back to work. Right. All right. So, um, Phyllis, with everything that we talked about, um, Doctor E had great questions. We discussed a lot of information, you know, concerning your career, your ambitions, everything, you know, in between with that. So, was there anything upcoming that we did not spotlight that you might want to give voice to that we didn't spend it, uh, much time on any other projects, anything that is in the works that you'd like to give voice to? Um, no, this project is what's in the works. This book, um, is what's in the works for me. So, yeah. And, and I do foresee possibly writing a sequel to this book because, you know, there's only so much you can put in one book. And I feel like there's, there's a, you know, what I was really explaining in this book or spending a lot of time on is really trying to inform the reader 
uh, and because many readers have no psychological knowledge whatsoever. You know, we don't teach that in our schools as a requirement. So if you get some of that knowledge, you're lucky. And a lot of people don't have it. So I wrote this book for the layman, and I really wanted to help people understand what are the dynamics of an abusive family that we see going on in the country? What are the symptoms of people who are abused, who don't get help, who don't get rescued? Um, how does that ripple out and affect the larger society? What happens when those people reach positions of power and then they can act out on all the people that they have power and control over, which is, I think, a lot of what we're seeing here, um, not only in America, but around the world. Um, and so I really try to like spell that all out. And then I talk about what are the gifts of the best psychotherapy and the best understanding we have of family systems of what helps interrupt that cycle? How do people recover? How do we break the cycle of abuse? How do we bring love and connection and valuing and safe boundaries and peaceful conflict resolution back into the conversation? Because a lot of the values of the best psychotherapy, which are what really help heal people, are not even part of the political conversation today. Mm. You know, it's more about who's going to win and how do you... How do you undermine your opponent rather than even listen to it if they have something valuable to say? Yeah. So that's a real interesting take on that. And, you know, again, I just wanted to uh, take that second to just, like I said, maybe spotlight something that maybe we didn't get a chance to get to to um, allow that to happen. So um did have one last thing here, but I just wanted to swing back to Dr. Eve. Dr. Eve, did you have anything else? No, I, and one of my questions was what are, you know, the, the greatest gifts that someone who would read this this new book would offer and and you just laid it out there for folks so, um, so i'm excited to read it thank you so much and i will make sure that you guys get a copy when it is in print yes definitely we only accept signed copies signed copies really out there okay you have the radio show But, you know, when I'm doing my shows and when I'm speaking on certain topics, I like to be able to voice my real and raw opinion because I think people appreciate that the most, right? Sometimes, you know, you try to be like politically correct, but like that's what Notorious Moms is about, right? You know, I always say like, I say the things that people think and never say. So it's kind of like I'm your conscience. Like, you know, you really want to say that, but you ain't gonna say it you're listening to the radio show atl on youtube and all other podcast providers so phyllis like i said we had discussed a lot of information so um what i'm gonna do is um, we have a segment that we do when we're not interviewing a guest and i'm gonna borrow from my brother and he'll appreciate that but we do this segment on the show all right it's called one gotta go where we'll give you a list of items it could be anything. It could be in this case, we're going to deal with uh, with actually fruits here uh, as far as which ones you choose and things like that. But you basically got to find which one of those and say, hey, listen, which one of these one got to go? All right. So okay. I got a list here of fruits here. You got six choices here. And one of these got to go. No exceptions. All right. Okay. So here's, here's the list here. OK, so we have pineapples, strawberries, watermelon, grapes oranges or bananas all right i'm gonna repeat it all right 
So it's pineapple, strawberry, watermelon, grapes, oranges, bananas. Out of those fruits, Phyllis, which one of those got to go? Well, it's got to be pineapple. My, I have, I guess I'm allergic to it. <laughs> oh, well, that's a, okay. Well, that's the reason why. Definitely, I was about to say that's an upset right there. Oh, oh goodness. Which okay, so you got that one has to go for you because of you know you have an allergy. But if you weren't allergic to pineapple, which one would be the next one to get up out of here? Oh, banana. Okay. <laughs> and which one is not going anywhere? Like no matter what is staying. Watermelon. <laughs> so good. So good. All right, all right. So, Dr. E, I'm gonna swing it over to you. Which one of these got to go? You know, pineapple, strawberry, watermelon, grape, orange, banana. Which one got to? Yeah, I'm Phyllis. It's bananas for me. For some reason, I never can get the consistency right. It's always mushy, and it's like I don't, I don't see the purpose. I I can't like figure out why it's so great. Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on. You know, like, I guess if you drink smoothies, uh, usually bananas aren't a lot of smoothies to help with what you were talking about with the consistency. So yeah. bananas are out of here. So which one is just like staying like no doubt is never going anywhere. Which one is that one? It's got to be pineapples. They're so good. Sweet. They're so wonderful. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Are they missing out, Phyllis? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I really like them. All right. How about you, I never considered this when, like, when my brother sends me these or we doing it on the show, I don't never, like, until we're into it, I don't never consider which one. All these are really good choices to keep. But I'm looking and I'm like, man, I like all these. Which one has to go? It's going to be bananas uh, on this one. Like, not that I don't like them, but there's no way. I'm giving a watermelon? Never. <laughs> Pineapple? No. Strawberry? No. So, yeah, I'm looking at the bananas. I was like, I could, I could live without it. Now, the one that's staying and not going anywhere ever is strawberries i love strawberries they stand you know it just depends on when you catch them within season and everything but right that would definitely be my choice to stick stick around uh in there um yeah we we ran through that one so i guess we bananas became the stepchild on that one but <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's okay i'm gonna just say that on behalf of bananas we don't hate you we just have better choices that's all oh, all right <laughs> all right but uh, Phyllis, you know, appreciate you, you know, playing around with that little game with us oh, and everything to lighten cool. things up. You are now listening to the radio show. But um, I just wanted to, I guess, if we were putting a, a ball on everything to say that we uh, appreciate the time spent uh, chatting with you today. Um, you have a wealth of knowledge, uh, not just in your field, but it seems like in life as well, dealing with life experiences. And to let people know again, to support Phyllis, her books, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you get books, Into the Fire, Light into the Darkness, Light in the Darkness, available, like I said, wherever you get your books. And if you want more information on the upcoming book and anything that has to do with Phyllis, just go to phyllislevitt.com. That information will be on the screen and in the podcast description. Yeah. Phyllis, once again, thank you so much for the time. And uh, we look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Well, thank you both so much for having me. It was just wonderful speaking with you. You had great questions and I really enjoyed my time with you as well. I'd love to come back uh, maybe when my book is out. So that'd be great. We will, we will mark it down when that comes out. 
you come back and talk to us and we can, you know, sort of do like a continuation of part two. Like you talked about, you talked about a sequel. We'll do the sequel to this one at that time. All right. Okay. That sounds fantastic. Thank you. All right. Well, again, thank you so much. All right. Thanks for the time. Thank you. Take care. Bye. You You are now listening to the radio show. Bruh. This that knowledge you can't learn in college right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Little news you can't refuse and hopefully not abuse, you know? <laughs> we ain't doing nothing here but trying to help folks get their weather together, church. That's it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Kristen, you sound very pimp adjacent, and I like it. You're listening to the radio show ATL on YouTube and all other podcast providers. All right, Dr. E, we're back here on Aftermath. We just got done talking to Phyllis Levitt, all right? So we were speaking to her about mental health, her issues with dealing with things that led to her writing books. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from our chat that we had? With? Uh, the family is important and relationships are important. Um, she talked a lot about just being in community um, and finding folks that can support you, whether it be a therapist or um, or not. And so I thought that was really important. We shouldn't be doing things by ourselves. We gotta, we gotta be a community. We gotta stick together. That's what yeah, I got. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Well, for me, it was, um, I guess, the way she spoke about dealing with uh, negative feedback, where whether good or bad, you still got to keep pushing through and you still got to do what you need to do. Even if it gets to you, you still got to keep going. And that's that's a big deal, especially like saying this genre that we're in right now, you get negative, you get positive, you got to keep pushing. All right. So if you take a look at the screen right there. All right. So the information for Phyllis is on the screen. So she got two books, Into the Fire and Light in the darkness which are available uh everywhere you get books specifically amazon you can download download that to your kindle and if you want any information on the upcoming book or anything that has to do with phyllis previous interviews things of that nature just go to phyllislevitt.com for all that information all right now as far as our lovely co-host the good doctor dr e if people want to catch her and her lovely sisters rocks and juicy k on the break room now if you want to hear more from dr e and the rest of the crew from the break room, Juicy K and Rocks. All right. So you go to Global R&B 96.3. All right. Take a listen to them. All right. You can also search Global R&B 96.3 on Apple Music and you can listen there and just, you know, show them some love every Monday and Tuesday from 12 to 2 Eastern. Um, the level of petty is so entertaining. It's just you have you have no idea. So people definitely need to be listening to the break room for sure. All right. All right, now information is on the screen and in the podcast description as well. All right, so to round it out for the radio show ATL, if you want to be a guest on the radio show ATL, just send us an email to radio show inbox at gmail.com or you can send us a text 678 800 1677. We look forward to hearing from you. So, again, a great conversation with Phil's Levitt. You know, mental health is a big hot topic, but we're also very grateful to have the lovely Dr. E from the break room hanging out. It's always a pleasure, you know, to have you around. Keep coming back, all right? Keep coming back. Thank you. Keep inviting me. You know, coming up. I'm showing up. For sure. For sure. All right? And for everybody that's listening and watching this, we're just going to keep dropping this heat all the time, every time. So appreciate all the support, and we will catch y'all next time. Hi, these are the guys from the ZZ Talk podcast. I'm Zeno. I'm Zeus. We are a podcast of two ordinary guys who talk about everything and anything, including sports, entertainment, politics. As well as an interview or two. Or five. Uh, you can listen to us on Spotify, Pandora, or wherever else you find your podcasts. That's the ZZ Talk Podcast. ZZ Talk Podcast. Like and subscribe.
Hey, this is Alora Lovelight, and you're tuned in to the radio show ATL. Make sure to check out my latest single, Erodicy, and follow at It's the Radio Show on Instagram. If you want your music heard on the radio show, email the radio show inbox at gmail.com.